0: Have you ever met a girl that you tried to date But a year to make love She wanted you to wait Let me tell you a story of my situation I was talking to this girl from the U.S. Nation The way that I met her was on tour at a concert You had long hair and a short Welcome back
1: Charlotte's number one podcast recording in the basement The Beards Watch Podcast Episode 221 We are here for the bazillionth time, I have we have had a lot of technical difficulties. So if you hear the audio go up and down, we had to record this podcast twice. I've done it. We just had a lot of technical difficulties on my side. So it's me, Jacob Rowland. Find me on Twitter and Instagram at JrollNation. Facebook, The Beards Watch Podcast, where you can also find The Beards Watch Podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, and iTunes to listen We also have a YouTube called They See Me Rolling. Subscribe to that. You get our brew reviews, reaction videos, beerio cards, and all other different kinds of shenanigans that we can get ourselves into. So, without further ado, on the double, triple, bazillion re-records, I accidentally hit record right before Duval entered himself, so also you can find Jeeves at Jeeves1988 on Twitter and Instagram. So right now, I am going to... Pitch it out to Duvall. All right, and for our guest, as you've already heard him laugh in the background, as a guy, I met a UNCG while I was there in media studies, and as I had stacked this, this month up, I hadn't really realized how many UNCG friends I had put in this month and again as we've been going back since this pandemic hit trying to get people on the podcast via zoom who may not otherwise be able to join on a tuesday evening here in charlotte in the basement so lance man how you doing i'm okay, good man i'm lance yeah, like you said, like you
2: said uh, i know jacob from college uh, i guess now we're doing take two i can do my twitter handle and shit because i forgot to do that first time so there we that. go i'm curious you can find me on Twitter at, at you uh, have yeah, just like the emotions. Same with Instagram. Um, add me, follow me. Have, feel free. Have fun. Communicate with me. If you want to get in the industry, let me know. Um, uh, feel free to reach out anytime. Uh, but yeah, uh, I've known Jacob for a long time now. Um, I work in Atlanta. I've been here for about eight years. I'm a Director's Guild of America, second second assistant director. Um, and yeah, I'm ready to do this again. So yeah, we just... I know it's always weird when we you have to go back and
1: <laughs> literally talk. All it's all, yeah, the, all like, the same stuff. Like, cause you know, we've, all, we've all heard it, but explain to people since this will be their first time listening, our second time, just yeah. kind of what you're doing, how you got there and all that good stuff. So, uh, basically the hierarchy of set runs that there's a director, uh, then there's the AD department, the assistant directors, um, we are all part of the Directors Guild of America. The first AD works directly with the director to schedule the show. Starts months out from shooting, schedules
2: everything, runs everything, plans it all, schedules the meetings. Um, they 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 control the set. They the camera does not roll unless they say so. Like the director only says action, but in order for the camera to speed, the first AD says roll camera. Um, and that's what gets us going. Then there's the second AD who is taking the documents that the first AD has built, planning it, and utilizing that information to help us move forward and uh, continue shooting on the next day and days following. My job as a second-second assistant director is I am on set, uh, and I'm the first AD's right-hand person. Uh, I work directly in conjunction with them and the director and the, and the entire crew to make sure that what we are trying to achieve for that day is, is feasible. Um, logistically speaking, we get to deal with like coordination and logistics of where crew staging is, where background holding is, first team holding is, what's the cast readiness back at base camp, what's going on in the background tent, are we background ready, are we going to have them one the time, are we behind, are we ahead, are we even faster, what can we slow down, what can we pick up? Um, the, the, the route to this job, it took... Uh, it takes you 600 days as a paid production assistant um, to get qualified to work, to, to be qualified to work as an assistant director, which is a tremendous jump, um, which is why we ask, they asked for 600 days to prove your loyalty and that you really want to do it because it really does uh, weed out the herd, like uh, weed out the crowd. Like it, there, there's, uh, there's been a lot of people that I know that have gotten close to their 600 days or even turned their book in and have been like, no, I don't want to do this. Yeah, um, because there, there's a lot of responsibility. We're in charge of safety. We're we're in charge of a lot of. It's like uh, Joe Pesci said, "No, uh, Don Draper said that's what fucking money's for." <laughs> um, yeah. So the the stress is is there, and it, it, but it, that's what we signed up for. Um, but you worked as a PA for a couple of years. I did, it took me four years. Um, I got my days pretty quick. Uh, I was able to work on some amazing projects along the way um, and as you go along you gain a network and you build that network and that's what leads you from one job to the next job to the next job and as you continue to impress people and stay in touch with people uh, you continue getting more and more jobs via that route. Um, I was fortunate enough to know from a very young age that I wanted to work in the film industry uh, was actually, I, I would say I, ever since I was a kid I always loved movies but in high school I did theater and in theater I really realized that I liked doing the management aspect of it um, the tech the, 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 the stage manager the tech the, like, doing theater tech building stages and everything I really enjoyed that part of it and then one day I was watching dream, got hired and realized oh I want to make movies so I went to <laughs> I, I went to UNCG for the film school um had a great time there made some incredible friends like jacob um really enjoyed everything but then uh between my senior and super senior year i uh i got a phone call to go work on a be an intern on a movie in atlanta took so that opportunity spent the summer in atlanta
3: working on this movie it was around the time that like project x came out so uh it was a big party movie a lot of extras a lot of cats
2: all very young so it was, a, it was a great time we had a fantastic time Terrible movie. <laughs> not, again, not even going to say the name of the movie because I do not recommend anybody even add it to the repertoire because I'm pretty sure it had like a 7% on IMDb. <laughs> but, I, but everyone's got to start somewhere, right? Yes. And it really, it really was able to kick things off. Uh, I went back to Greensboro after that movie had finished. Started doing my last one, one of my last semesters of school. And I kept getting phone calls to, to work in Atlanta as a PA. And every time I would get one of those phone calls, I would just, like, get angry and angrier at school. Just being like, I'm just sitting here, wasting my
3: time, paying money instead of making money. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and so it was New Year's Eve of 2012, and I just said, fuck it. I packed up my car. I left a fully furnished apartment in Spring Garden and just drove to Atlanta. And I've been here ever since. Nice. So awesome. now, what what project are
1: you working on now? Now I'm currently on a Nat Geo show uh, called uh, Genius Aretha Franklin.
2: Uh, the first two seasons uh, they they shot them in Europe, when the first one was about uh, Albert Einstein, second one was Pablo Picasso. This one's about Aretha Franklin. Just to find these artists throughout the times that have that are geniuses in their own, their, own, their own mind and their own right. Um, and Aretha Franklin is without a doubt one of those. Um it's an incredible, incredible story. We haven't it's gonna be very good. Um it's what we are working on. So I started it a year ago, actually. Okay. Um uh, and then we shot from uh right around Thanksgiving until March thirteenth and we all shut down for the pandemic. Um so and then we've it took time, took a lot of work but we were able to pick it back up and we we've gone through about two weeks of shooting now and it's been been tough but we've been able to we've been able to do it quite uh, quite efficiently and effectively now i want
1: to get to potentially duval's question since i know he's got to leave since he of already course. he already gave of us an, an hour of, of his time and then my the technology just gave us the double birds here uh, should, so uh, <laughs> so you have also worked on you haven't said but you've worked on both the final event, the two final avengers movies or yeah yeah okay
2: so I, I did I did both I did both Infinity War and Endgame.
1: Okay. So, describe that experience working with that, and then I know we'll get over to
3: Duval's question. So, uh, like I said, you have to you have to get uh, six hundred days to
2: work as an, an AD. Yeah. Um. I got I got I got two I got my book in and I got qualified to work as an AD while I was on Spider Man. Um. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you're an AD. Like, yeah. you still work as a PA from there on out. Uh, then I got the call to work on Avengers at the set PA, um, and I was like, "Well, I'm not gonna turn down the two biggest movies of all time like <laughs> that. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I've already PA'd for this long. I'll PA for a little bit more for the experience that'll come out of this. And I'm so glad that I did because that was a year of shooting, um, those 200 shooting days, um, which. Like, right now, I said, like, the show that I'm on now, I've worked for a year, but we also had a six-month weekend in (laughs) between. But but that was actually scheduled to take a year to shoot, which is an incredible amount of time uh, to be together. usually it's, like, anywhere between, I've done a movie in 18 days before, and I've done a TV show in three months, you know? Six months is usually, like, the longest if it's just, like, a regular 10-episode season. Like, some shows go, like, nine, 10 months, and they're, like, the 18-episode, like, Network television shows like This Is Us—they just go on forever and ever and ever. Yeah. Um, but so a year of shooting was unreal for what we were going to be doing. Um, yeah, they, they called me to be the key set PA on it, so I took that job. I was like, all right, I've PA this long, I'll do it again. Uh, and since that job ended uh, back in January of eighteen, I have worked steadily as a second second assistant director uh, ever since. Nice. Nice. So um, I'm, I'm going to jump in because I, I, I just got it up. So like Chadwick, Chadwick Bozeman, how was it just him being on set and, and just kind of just kind of talk about how he was, you know, working with him and, and, and how much you enjoyed his presence? Well, we had we had no idea. No one did. Um, when. When. We got. We saw the news. We found out through the news that he had pancreatic cancer and that he had lost the battle with it. Um, and it was a shock to all of us. Like we're there's a fantasy football league that we're actually in with a bunch of the crew from that show, and, uh, including some higher ups. And one of the main questions like, in our group chat was like, "Yo, did anybody know?" And they're like, "No, nobody knew. We didn't know." And like working with him on a day to day basis, like. To be honest, we kind of thought he was crazy because, like, every night, every night he would go out and party all night long, and then every weekend he would be holding a big ass party at a club, and he'd give us send us the flyers, and he'd be like, "Yo, y'all come out, y'all come out." Um, and we were just like, "Man, this guy doesn't stop. What is he doing? How does he do this?
3: <laughs> like,
2: like we have like ten years on him, and we're like, like how are you still partying? This is this is fucking exhausting." Um, but like we we never we never knew like he just he was just living his life to the fullest like it was quite an experience to retroactively realize this you know because like you work with him on a day to day basis like some days he'd come out of the chair late some days he wouldn't get out of the car on time and take his time getting out of his chair you know and you just thought like okay he's a method actor you know like from the time he arrived at work to work the time he left he spoke in the chala accent yeah. You know, like he, if we, uh, if we, uh, if we, uh, saw him on weekends, the only time we ever saw him not like with his accent, like even if he asked us, like if he needed something, he would talk to us in the accent, <laughs> you know, like I, I, ne- I never knew what his voice sounded like until I saw him on the weekends, you know? And we don't know if that was like a shield to help hide it or if that was just his process. Cause a lot of actors, a lot of actors do that. Um, but, yeah, he was an incredible guy, incredible person. He was always very welcoming and opening. Um, but we all thought he was just a partier, you know? Like, <laughs> he, was just out, he was just out there all the time. And it turned out he was just, you know, living his life to yeah. the fullest because he, he knew that he had to because he didn't yeah. know if he was going to make it through. I mean, he thought he was going to make it through up until a week before he lost. But, uh, you know, once you hear those news, you, it kind of rocks your world. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it was, it, it, was it was definitely eye-opening for us to, like, have spent that much time with them, like, in the weeds at, at Wakanda, like, in the thick of it, uh, which is Chattanooga Hills outside of Atlanta, and it just constantly rained. It was raining there every day. Like, it was like a rainstorm, like, every day, and it just never stopped. We were always in mud. We had, like, we had our, our neos on, rain jackets on all day, every day. Like, the, the we were just in it all the time, and he was always just you know, just there, chilling, good to go, always, always approachable, always fine. You know, just we had nobody had any idea. It was heartbra- It was it was heartbreaking. Yeah. for sure. Yes, it was it was he 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 was a good one. He had a long career ahead of him, um, and it definitely it definitely twenty twenty really showed his shiny ass with that.
1: <laughs> yeah, now yeah, that's for sure to speak on lighter notes and some, you know, what, what would be, what would be a memento you may have gotten
3: from shooting on these movies? Did you take anything or were you gifted anything or? Um,
1: the, the coolest thing we got, we got, like,
2: we got quite a bit of rap gifts, like the yeah. swag from that show. Ridiculous. Like every day I'm pulling out a shirt. I was like, Oh, another vendor shirt, whatever. <laughs> um, the coolest one I got though was from Robert Downey Jr. Um, he gave the entire crew uh, director's chairs. Okay. Anybody listening, you guys can Google director's chair. It's all low boy director's chair. Like, not like the tall ones that you see, but those are actually pretty uncomfortable. The It's a low boy, so it's, it's lower. Um, and on the on the armrest of it, it's got a little plaque that says, from the bottom of my, heart, my arc reactor, thanks, um, uh, Tony Stark. Yeah. Um, and... On the chair, it says our name. It says Lance Rush Anger across the, the front of it, like where I sit. And then on the back of it, it's got the Avengers Infinity War logo. Um, nice. And I, I use that as my deck chair. Like, it's it's comfortable, it's amazing, and, like, it's a memento that I'll be able to carry forever. And he bought 600 of them. Yeah. And that's so what we, cool. were, we were talking
1: in, uh, in uh, take one about, you know, how you think about buying your buddy or your your workmate or whatever, like a a six pack or a nice bottle of booze or something like that for a gift. But I can't imagine like buying a whole crew, you know, a whole 600 people, a set of nice chairs that probably run anywhere between what 50 to a hundred bucks a piece. I don't know, maybe more, who knows, but still, regardless, buying 600 people a gift is a, is a, is a power move right there. But I wouldn't expect
2: anything less from Robert Downey Jr. So. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a cool memento to carry with for forever. Uh, did,
1: yeah. we didn't really speak on it last time, but did you ever? And you don't have to name names, but do you? Did you ever? Have you ever run into any talent that just hasn't been the nicest person? Like I know you kind of yeah. you, you kind of spoke in part one or, or take one about how everyone seems. You know, everyone's a, like you say, and work working it with TV as well. Everyone's all there for one job to get it done. But talent is talent for a reason, and some could be a little more bristled than others to work with. Has, is there a scenario or an instance that you've run into that you could kind of speak on, but maybe without having to tattletale or say
3: names, per se? Uh, yeah, there's this one actress on a certain uh, certain TV show that
2: I was a uh, day playing on as a PA. Uh, I had the biggest crush on her my entire life. <laughs> okay, I was, like, I was so excited to work on this show because I was like, "Oh my God, I'm in love with you! I can't wait to be in your presence. This is going to be great." And we're shooting. We're doing a little walk and talk uh, down a certain uh, East Coast city.
3: Yeah. Um, not even East Coast city. It's kind of like Midwestern, actually. Okay. Um, country. It's a country music town. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Um, and uh, she's walking and talking, and there's this little kid in the middle of a city block,
2: and this little kid sees her. And just runs, runs up to her, and wants wants to get a picture of her because this girl's her hero for right? yeah. the, the character that she plays on the show. I mean, like this girl's like six years old. Yeah. This actress turns around and starts screaming, "Why are these stupid little kids running up to me, bothering me
3: while we're trying to fucking shoot, Baba?"
2: Full on temper tantrum. The most irresponsible and balloon- malicious thing I've ever seen in my life. There's a wow. lot of things you do when you don't do is yell at kids. Yeah. This little girl, yeah. started, this little girl started crying. Wow. Like, I started crying because I was like, I, I thought I was in love you, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was,
3: it was terrible. It started yelling at trains and the planes and it was just like, I was like, okay, you're, you're, you're batshit crazy. Yeah. Got it. Does, <laughs> so when you
1: see some stuff like that happen, like obviously the bigger the star, you know some leeway, and you get away with some things but do you kind of see it? what goes around comes around sometimes with roles per se or with i mean and i know there's uh, a, we should, go ahead
2: we do a pretty good job in this industry of, uh, of weeding out the assholes okay um uh, okay. like there there are there are notorious assholes but yeah. the thing is like this the, the industry is very small um and everything like I said earlier about like getting jobs, everything's network. But also losing jobs, everything's network. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you're an, if you're an asshole to one person and you you burn that bridge, that burn that bridge could burn many other bridges. That goes for me in my position. That goes for my team. That also goes for anybody on the show at at, at any point. You know, yeah. Like uh, At the end of the day, we all put our pants on the same way. Yeah. We're all coworkers. Yeah. No. You know, whether whether you're wearing a super suit or a pair cargo shorts. You yeah. are putting it in one leg at a time. Yeah. And so we all have to look at each other like co-workers that we're all there to do a job. The reason we're here is because we're all trying to achieve the same goal. Uh, so we have to work together. Um, and the industry does do a good job of weeding out the people that you truly can't stand. I
1: mean, it's something they get through just because... Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but those that we can weed out that are just terrible human beings we're able to find our way around them so and what would you say obviously the Avengers was a great set to work on, movies to work on but you just talked earlier about Baby Driver and we, we had a little confusion because when we said the toughest thing you worked on <laughs> and you said Baby Driver and we were like, we really thought as a PA you know, sometimes you hear stories of PAs having to do, you know, certain jobs or certain sure. Yeah, you know, certain shit jobs or whatever, we're like, oh, you actually have to drive people's babies around. And then it <laughs> hit us, oh, no, 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 st- no, that's, no, that's Teamsters. Exactly.
2: Yeah, exactly. We, we, they're, they're drug tested, and they're high-paid, so that they can make it from A to B safely. So, so baby, you transport it by it. <laughs> Teamsters. So for
1: someone who may not know the lingo of Teamsters and PA, what is the difference between a Teamster and then a PA? So uh, Teamsters are the drivers. Uh, Teamsters okay. are the Teamsters are the drivers. That's the that's the Jimmy Hoffa union. That's the okay. that's the un, that's the union you have heard of forever. It, it
2: started from horse carriages back in the 1860s, 1800, I think eighteen sixty one. Okay. Um, that's what like started that. So teamsters do all the driving. Like a lot of like trucking services, like nationwide, a lot of their drivers are, are union drivers that are that are teamsters so they, they go to their union hauler they represent. But because the, our industry is very union pro, is a pro union industry. Yeah. Um, and the teamsters. If it's got wheels, teamsters driving it. Okay. So it's got wheels, teamsters moving it from forklifts to trucks to to carts, like yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So then the PAs more so are gonna do, you know, go and grab this piece of set equipment or go and grab, you know, whatever it may be, just kinda maybe the dirty work, just doing a lot of the the grunt and grind per se, or does that just vary from spot to spot? Well, PAs are definitely the entry level jobs. You yeah. Know, you'll start up. You can start off as a deep additional PA, uh, locking up a city block. So, like on Baby Driver, we, uh, keep saying talking about it earlier. Like these That's true. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
3: Sorry, sorry guys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, can't backtrack to that. Uh, yeah.
2: But uh, on, on Baby Driver, for example, there was a day where I, uh, I ended up having to like as a key PA. I had to run around 35 miles. So we were shooting through downtown Atlanta. Um, we had a machine called the biscuit, which is basically like a 400 horsepower trailer that you place a car body onto. And it's got a movable pod that you can adjust to the camera frame. Um, 400 horsepower the thing moves. Yeah. And we had an incredible stunt team. The car was driven by Robert Nagel. Uh, but we would shut down downtown Atlanta on Saturdays and Sundays and lock up the entire street, you know? So, uh, we'd have a bunch of PAs, um, so anywhere between 50 to 150, locking up city blocks all the way up and down the whole way. Um and as a PA, you'll start up just locking up street corners. Just, hey, sorry, sir, you can't walk into the shot, safety issue, there's got to be a car. <clears throat> uh,
3: please stay back. You know? Uh and then as you grow more and more and more, you start get given more responsibilities. You work your way up to a staff PA where or, or additional background PA where you're helping in the background world or Staff PA as a walkie PA, which is a pretty basic entry level job, which doesn't really make sense because the lowest person on the totem pole is being given the most expensive equipment that part. <laughs> so, well, hey, why? Why they,
1: that? They just want to make sure that you know if this guy's going to cut it, let's see how him getting paid the less can hold the most equipment. You know, I don't know. I don't know.
3: Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> like you're literally each each walkie is about eight hundred dollars, and a PA doesn't even make that in a week. So, yeah. it's like, why, why are they charging that? That yeah. makes no yeah. sense to any of us, but that's just the way it goes. Because also, no one wants to do it. Yeah, that's, um, yeah. It's, the, it's probably one of the hardest jobs I've set because you got to keep track of all these, people, all these people's walkies and they throw them all over the place. So, it's my first job. I've said I did it for a long time. Um, and it's, it's not easy. Um, but yeah, so you start out as a PA. You you work your way up through each position as you and you just learn and you grow and you just continue networking and building it as you as you go.
1: So with this pandemic kind of we're, it was eased off on the shutdown that we had for six months. Now if you get to the scientists, it seems like it's going to ramp back up. But I don't know if the economy can take a shutdown again. But we don't have to get into yeah. all the. All that shenanigans side of it. Let's keep it easy talking. How was that life kind of adjusting and how has it changed now? You know, like most of us, now we got to wear masks to work. we got to make sure we either, if our company can afford it, we get tested or we at least, like I know for me, I have to fill out like a survey that even though they let you go, this is not legal binding. Like if you lie on this, you're not, you know, you can't sue us to making you go to work, all that kind of stuff. What changes have you seen since the shut get d- the shutdown has occurred man so many changes so like when we show up to work every day we get our temperature read. um actually i have to take my own temperature every morning before i even leave for work yeah. and if i'm over 90 if i'm over
2: 99.6 degrees i can't even show up to work yeah. we're getting tested three times we're getting tested three times a week um we have to wear PPE at all times. I have to wear Disney-provided masks, Disney-approved masks, and a face shield if an actor has their PPE off because actors cannot wear face masks all the time. Yeah. They won't get a set. We do rehearsals with shields. We do whatever we can with as much PPE on as possible. But then, like, once we go to actually shoot, you know, we have to remove the PPE uh, to make it presentable for what we're trying to put on, on, on the ship. Yeah. Um, and so, like, that's definitely. Different, you know, getting a lobotomy three times a week is very, very different. <laughs> you know, I, I, I never thought that, uh, that, uh, that it would, would be putting a Q-tip in my nose three times a week. Um, when I first started this, but that's, it, it gives us the air of, we, at least we have the controllable factor of if there is a positive somewhere, we're able to know when to who, and able to do contact tracing and try and. Work, at, work around it so that to try and keep production moving forward while also keeping the safety of our crew and our cast and our background at the forefront the entire time because at the end of the day the most important thing for anybody and anything is to make it home safely we are not we're not saving lives this is not rocket science uh, yeah we can we can change and we can influence the world but if a movie is not made no one will miss it yeah that's yeah it's always
1: a good humbling experience and to keep you grounded just to think like that like I you said you're entertaining the masses but we're not necessarily saving any lives or landing on the moon or, you know, like you said, rocket science. Exactly. What, exactly? what's exactly. the dangerous, most dangerous scene or part you've ever taken place in? Movie set. Would it be baby driver? Uh, I mean, baby driver, the driving stunts was pretty insane. Yeah. Uh, like there was one day, for example, when we, uh, it was mother's day, we
2: shut down seventy five eighty five through downtown Atlanta Wow. Uh, on a Sunday, uh, we had uh, there was, like, 50 state troopers. That they shut down all the on-ramps. We had, like, 30, I think, 30 to 50 background cars and then, like, 30 to 50 stunt drivers. And then we had the hero cars, and they go they go through the tunnel, and then they switch positions and get off the on-ramp. But, yeah, it was all completely controlled. I think that was, like, I would say that's, like, the biggest scale danger just because that was literally all of downtown Atlanta that we shut down to yeah. build it. Um, but obviously when I say danger, it's not dangerous because it's controlled. It's just dangerous because things can go out of control. Yes. But We take every precaution, and it's part of our job is to maintain safety, and that's why we work in coordination with the, with the police, with the stunt coordinator, the special effects supervisor, the the ADs, the director. And so. And when you have things like that, you get a safety consultant on set who uh, keeps eyes on all safety all the time because we never want an accident to happen like Safety is first, last, and always. Yeah. Uh, with every every single thing we do, every single person that we're working around, because again, we're not saving lives, we're just trying to keep them alive. Yeah. um do you have anything? I was just um,
1: asking, I don't know if we got it on the first take. Well, it or doesn't not. matter because we don't have the first take anymore, so <laughs> fire away. <laughs> I got you. Yeah, it's gone. It's only I, I, it's only in our memories. That's it. That
2: was That, I, was, just, that was just us hanging out. This yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you done anything
3: on the Tyler Perry's studio or like work under? Oh, Tyler
1: so that I no, will stop you on that one. I did get that on <laughs> on one other on on that end of the other last record where we did the. I think on the yeah I, I don't know I, it's it's all running it's all running through I'm I'm making sure this is still recording over here but I do want to I do think we did get the Tyler Perry one right before because I started recording it on my phone so I think I do have that final I ended up not having the first forty five minutes but I had like the last fifteen minutes and if I don't have it on my phone I've got it as a record from the the Zoom record so we did get that so hopefully. Later on, probably the next fifteen minutes, you'll be able to hear Jeeves ask Lance about the Tyler Perry stuff.
2: But you're digging in the bus, dust off the uh, Final Cut tools, and like, be dropping and moving all these nice sound yes, files I, and and, they, they, they it.
3: and you know, I'd it'd be,
1: I feel a lot more comfortable with that if I had my garage band. But that'll.
2: So this is just, this is just
1: going to be a rough, wild edit.
2: Damn you, Steve Jobs! I
3: know.
1: <laughs> um, so, what? does the future look like for you? What's what's your kind of next moves and what else do you want to get into? Um, so I want to be a first AD. Um, like I said uh, earlier, not take one, but like literally this one, uh, where you
2: have to work for 600 days to become an AD. Yeah. Also once you become an AD, like we're always counting our days. Yeah. Um, in order in order for me to move on to being a first AD, I have to get 520 days as a second assistant director uh, so I can get qualified to turn in my first AD book. Um, that is what I ultimately want to do. I'm probably about like I, before I started Genius, I was three, I had 300 days, so I was about you know uh, 220 days out. I'm probably around 120 days out now at this point, but I gotta recount at some point. Okay. Um, but I, I want to be a first AD. Um, that's my end goal, and if I do that for the rest of my life, I will be happy because I love the job, I love the position, I love the puzzle that is being a first being like, I, I, from being a kid, I love the Ruby's Cube, like, I just wanted to figure it out, that's why I love doing what I do, because it's just a constant puzzle, we're constantly moving the schedule around, and moving these pieces around, and now with COVID, because, like, we used to be able to just, like, fire from the hip, and be like, oh, shit, we're pulling a scene up, that works tomorrow, let's get those actors in, let's get those background in, we'll call them in tomorrow, and make sure they available. now we gotta plan two, three days out, to make sure we get the negative baseline test, and then the negative test the day before the work, and then the day, day, day that they do work, yeah, um and, and so it adds a lot of curveballs. And so I'm, I I really look forward to seeing where the industry goes and how it grows. And being a part of the forefront of the industry as it grows in this new digital world and COVID world. Uh, hopefully it doesn't remain a COVID world forever because we never want a pandemic to last forever. But there yeah. are some ben- benefits of of this new reality that we're in where everything's going digital. A lot of a lot of, a lot of our meetings are now held via Zoom. Um, and it makes things a lot more user-friendly for a lot of people. And I think as the technology grows, it'll make things a lot better. Um, So I would be very happy being a first AD for the rest of my life. And I originally always thought I wanted to be a director, but realizing more and more, I really don't want to be a director. Um, If I could choose anything, um, I would want to be a producer, but not a money producer. Like, I don't want to be a UPM or a live producer. I don't want to deal with the the budget uh, other than, like, knowing about it. Um, side just because i've always enjoyed that aspect of of cinema way more uh, like knowing why someone was cast knowing what inspired the scene what this inspired this look or this tone uh, that's always been what i've been more curious about rather than knowing how much man, my manpower costs
1: for this episode yeah it's it's tough because i, I i'm starting to like mesh these this two hours into one. I know we're only going to have like an hour. So I'm like, I know he talked about that, but did he talk about that? Did I get the record? So it's just going to be – apologize anybody listening out there. Apologize to Lance, too, for this just being all over. I'm glad we could hang around, at least salvage something of our conversation, and I'll definitely have to get you back at some point, you know, maybe in the, once the new year rolls around, just to hopefully – when we get all this squared away. But um, I was going to ask it before I started panicking when I noticed the, the freeze – on the on the last first record,
2: Before you ripped the hat off yes, the and I was
1: like, uh oh yeah. I know I've known since I met you. Big Eagles fan. So, how how have you felt so those so far about the season this season so far with the Eagles? Uh, can we not talk
2: about football? I mean, that's I mean that's fair if you don't want to talk about. It, I know it's, it's <laughs> tough. I know it's tough. I mean, um, uh. The Eagles, you know, uh, I'm still running off the high of the Super Bowl you, too. As you uh, should. That will, that will carry with me forever. That was the happiest moment of my life. Nice. Um, like I I cried. Like there's a video on my Instagram of me and my cousin uh, just hugging each other and just screaming, like just on our on our knees, just like,
3: oh my god, we did it! You know, like was, <laughs> once we lost Carson that year, we didn't like, we didn't think that we'd go through, and then Nick Pulse came out of that dropped from the heavens, and then ascended us to glory. Um, so yeah, that was fucking awesome. Um,
2: the downside of that is once you do win a Super Bowl, the expectation goes through the fucking roof. Yeah. And right, right now, our team has it, fundamental issues. Whether that's Doug Peterson's coaching, which I don't entirely believe so because like the other day i was fucking pissed at him for not kicking the field goal and going for the tie yeah but then once we got the tie and then we won the game we ended up first in the division for a week and i was like oh did you do the math before yeah. you decided not to kick that field goal because that's a, that's a that's a move that's yeah. smart good choice it's good it's
1: choice. weird it's um, weird how like a tie actually is as much people shit on it it can help you out more it helps you more than a loss it's yeah, the, no, is the, the weird thing about it. Yeah, like because like
2: if he missed if he missed that field goal, like Jake Elliott, I believe in him totally. But if he would have missed that field goal, we, that would we would have gone into a loss probably. Yeah, because um, they would have just they would have, like, confidence is low that we were going to be able to like uh, amend that. Um, but going into the time, we were number one in the division so, you know we lost again. Yeah. <laughs> Week. Uh, uh, so yeah, it's. It's been painful. Um, I think Carson Wentz. Uh, he's doing. He's doing a, a job. Yeah. <laughs> it's not yeah. always a good job. Yeah. It's not always a bad job. Like there's plays that he makes that's just incredible. The fact that he has a patchwork uh, offensive line without Brandon Brooks, the best right guard in the league, uh, right guard in the league, and uh, without um, Wayne Johnson in and out of the lineup, uh, with Jason Peters being old and needing to retire. You know, and not having Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson. um, It's been, yeah, we just haven't had all the pieces available to make him the best quarterback he could be. Yeah. Uh, I still believe in him, but he does, his accuracy,
3: I think, is getting in his head. And that's why, like, I remember, the, I remember the days of Donovan McNabb where he threw at everybody's feet, and now we of Carson Wentz throwing over everybody's head. Yeah. every, every yeah, single yeah, yeah,
2: yeah.
1: It's kind of been, it's kind of been weird. I feel like since his ACL injury, he just hasn't been that guy that was the Super Bowl year. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, like that. he has flashes, but he just doesn't have that consistency. It's like he's scared. He's yeah. Got PTSD where he just doesn't know. He's so every every move he makes is going to injure him, he's. And I worry too much that he's, by drafting Jalen
2: Hurts that he's like, oh, Lee Greek shadow coming at me, you know, because, I mean, it's Eagles fans, you know, like the moment he fucking misses a throw, a a throw, we're going to be like, put Hurts in, put Hurts in, put (laughs) Hurts in. Trust me, I'm shouting it at my TV every Sunday at this point. (laughs) So wait, I I got another
1: random, I remember when we were in college, the Eagles picked up Michael Vick after he just got out of prison. Now, you were a big dog guy, but I remember you actually, you were one of the first people I saw that actually had a Michael Vick shirt. Yeah, I still do. And you you kind of brought it to the attention, because I remember people were giving people hell for it, but you were on top of the, hey, look, he did his time, what more do you want from the guy?
2: So my, my argument with that is yeah, what he did is completely unforgivable and yes. completely fucked up for yes. all of all all of time. That's yep. never, never gonna be okay on any circumstance. You do not injure animals, you do not injure those that are powerless against you. Like you you have to take care of those around you at all points and all times of your life. Like and like back to work, like my position is a position of power on set and I, I find it my responsibility to make sure I can stand up and take care of the people that aren't able to take care of themselves. It's something I pride myself in is not being scared to do that. But with Michael Vick and the dog issue, um, yeah, what he did was fucked up. And when he became an Eagle, it was one of those things where he's, like, he's an incredible athlete and you don't always want to draw the line between it. But the reality is, like, what he did was fucked up. But over time, he proved that he regretted his mistakes. And – and I, the way I see it, is if you blackball somebody for admitting to their mistakes and trying to fix their mistakes, and never give them a second chance, then no one will ever try and fix their mistakes, that's and true. people will just stay down, stay down the same road for their their entire lives. Yeah. And I think that's the most fucked up uh, mindset in society today, where if somebody does something wrong once, then they're they're done forever. Yeah. But that just that completely takes away the point of rehabilitation and trying to amend mistakes and learning and growing because all we can do on a day-to-day basis as humans as humans that make mistakes on a daily basis any of us anybody listening to this anybody in this conversation they everyone makes mistakes that they regret on a daily basis whether it's you know not holding the door for a lady as you're walking down the street or cutting someone off while you're turning at a stop time you know if you start blackballing
1: people for making one Making mistakes, never giving a, ch- a chance at redemption. What's the point of even trying for redemption? Absolutely, at the same time. Absolutely. You know, I agree. Like I said, that, I, I'm all with you on that too. Like you know, he yeah. he did his time, and then on top of that, he did actively go out and realize what he did and amend as much as he can do amend that situation and show that hey, actually, you know what, I did not make a mistake, and let me try to fix that, yeah. and 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 gain the knowledge of why I shouldn't be doing what I was a part of and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. yeah. And he really, he really went back into the community where the real issues lie uh, and really has sought out to try and improve those situations for, yeah. for everybody. And I sometimes making mistakes like that lead to
2: people that are, that we can become spearheads and become people that people can look up to. And I think that's the biggest thing about Michael Beck is like he's, he can now be considered somebody that you can look up to. Yeah. Yes, he did terrible things that are never forgiven to those dogs. Yeah. But can can he be somebody that some kid that is in juvenile detention can look up to about? Hey, you know, he made mistakes. He had the wrong path, but
1: maybe I have a chance that I to yeah. really try and correct my ways. Yeah, so, yeah. that's true. All right. Before we send it off, what? I guess we've kind of talked, but what would be like if you had one moment that you'll remember so far in your career?
2: What would that be? Um, Watchmen. Okay. HBO series, the series, the Watchmen. I did episode six, seven, eight, and nine. Uh, I took it over midway through the season uh, for a friend of mine who uh, left for another gig, um, and it was absolutely head to toe the best experience of my life, from the producers, from the studio, from David Lindelof and his vision, from the cast, from my bosses, the the, the other ADs on that show, from the crew to my team, um, we all knew that we were a part of something special, and we all knew that we needed to put everything on that screen, and we really did a good job in doing so, Um, from the from the, what they shot in the pilot, the Tulsa race riots, bringing that to light, bringing that to society, and then what we shot in episode six with the Harlem Cantor's riot, um, trying to recreate these moments in history in an alternate reality as close to human reality as possible to make it something that's comprehensive to anybody watching it, so that, yeah, they can see what can happen when things go astray, uh, really really shows you that art can impact life. Yeah. and. In, in some ways a good way and like the fact that that show has become so prophetic at this point like at that point of shooting it we never knew that everybody would wear wearing yeah. masks we knew, that, we knew that like police brutality was going to go on and that racism was going to go on but we never knew that like, everyone's going to be wearing <laughs> yellow masks like that time like they were in my show um, that was weird like at this point it's like oh shit should we have reconnected to it as a documentary and not a limited series right uh, am I sad that there's not going to be a season 2 absolutely yeah um to work on that show and be nominated for a DGA award uh, in my second year in the guild is a dream come true. That's a high I'm going to live on for the rest of my life. Yeah. You know, like that was, uh, that was an absolutely a dream come true. I've wanted that. My entire i have always wanted to work on award winning film for the fact that it's a Pulitzer prize winning film too, for being society, societally impactful. Uh, it's just unreal to me. And just, we all knew as we were, Reading the scripts, even like the way Damon and the the writers team wrote those scripts, like they
3: they spoke to the crew, like yeah. they sometimes when you read scripts, as we all have, uh, you read them and sometimes it's just it's just what it needs to be put on screen. But these scripts were like personable. They would he would mention Greg Middleton, a DP, and be like, and by glory and God, of, of,
2: by God and Greg Middleton, the light comes through the light, you know. I mean, the light comes through the door or like he mentions Trent and Reznor, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross as the, the soundtrack to I be mean, like, did Trent and Reznor take over here? It just really showed you that he knew who he was talking to in the script and that us building the show from My Smoke Cog to Props to Set Deck to Grip Electric to Hair and Makeup to everybody, they everyone played a part in it. Yeah. And he did a real, really, really good job of Allowing us to be that kind of collaboration where we were able to give input. I, I remember sitting back with Stephen Williams, the director of episode six, and going over footage and images of the Harlan Cantor's riot and these pictures from uh, the Denzel Washington and Malcolm X and things that we wanted to recreate because it's very noristic style and very very film noir but also very real and, things, and heavy images that we wanted to try and portray in that episode. And that kind of research and, and diving into what we wanted to put on screen is something that will never ever go away from me. Yeah, yeah. I I'll forever be thankful for that opportunity to be, to be a part of something that was so short, but something that will truly last forever as one of the greatest TV shows, if not the greatest single season limited series show of all time. All like right. the only thing that I ever, the only show that'll ever compare to it is going to be Chernobyl, because Chernobyl is just. Unreal.
1: Chernobyl was unreal and the fact that it was based off of actual true events yeah. yeah yeah i mean i remember just watching that and seeing like those scientists and the other people the scientists saying one thing and then like the it's kind of in a similar situation we are in now it's like no nah, we can't say this and to me i think in Chernobyl the lasting thing was the people sitting on that bridge just watching it happen, not knowing yeah. that their basically lives are over because the, they're inhaling those big to, those toxic fumes right there and they all die yeah. within like, you know, within a year, two years, yeah. or whatever it was. I mean, that to me was just a wild part of it. But
0: yeah, no. And and, and also on the note of Chernobyl, it's just because we're on a podcast
2: and anybody listening to this is probably a fan of podcasts, but uh, Craig Mason and David Lindelof podcast on. Watchmen and Chernobyl yeah. is some of the best material ever to be put into our ears. Uh, I highly recommend it for absolutely anybody that just wants to expand their knowledge and the mindset and the know-how of how things are made and what goes behind the behind the scenes, what truly inspires what the, what's written on the page and what ends up being transcribed on the screen. I think it's an incredible experience to, to sit there and listen to. Nice. Well, Jeeves, you asked about... If he had been to Tyler Tyler Perry's studio, Perry Studios. have ever had worked for Tyler Perry. Yeah. 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 Uh, I haven't worked for Tyler Perry, uh, but I have worked at his studios, and his studios are incredible. Like they are my favorite sound stages to work at in Atlanta. They have the most resources. They're easy. They're easy to get to. They're literally like seven
3: minutes down the road from my house. Um, every time I we know that we're working
2: there because like. Random things will, like, run out of stage or two, or, like, shoot a location there, like, and they have, like, a whole back lot with, like, a bunch of, like, a military base, you got a bunch of, like, old little, like, bro homes and town homes and stuff. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's an awesome spot to work at. Like, they have a replica of the White House there. It's just, they got a lot of detail, a lot of resources. The Wi-Fi is great. You don't lose signal like walk anywhere and you're fine with Signal where it's like my current studio I'm like walking around i like, hello? Can you hear me now? <laughs> <laughs> um, it was like, like there's other studios, there's a lot of sound stages and studios in Atlanta now we've had the industry here for about a decade that's really popped off. Um, like Pinewood, uh, where a lot of Marvel shoots is about 45 minutes Southwest of Atlanta. And so making that drive a lot kind of sucks. Um, and then like where I'm currently shooting at, something up in Norcross, uh, which is northeast Atlanta, which could be a 20-minute drive, it could be an hour drive, depending on what time of day you're leaving, you leave leaving to go to work. Very nice. Um, but yeah, I, I love working at Todd Berry Studios. They've they just they've done a very, very good job. They really took the time to know how to build it and make it right, and they've really been able to put back to the community too, with those stages, which is always a great thing to hear. Nice. Yeah. Uh, is, he always, is he always there when you guys are on set, or uh, have you seen never it. seen him there? Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if, he, if he's there, I don't know, because like, they're shooting their
1: own things on the other stages and doing their own thing. Um, but, like, because anything I've shot there hasn't involved him, so he, he's not there. I got you. okay yeah there. Like, yeah. If it's one of his shows that he's starring in or directing and or producing, he may be there. But like I said, I haven't worked for Todd Perry himself in any of his productions. Yeah. I have a lot of friends that do. A lot of friends that do. they their bread and butter. They work there all the time. All the time. All right. So, I guess it's time. Jeeves, are you ready?
0: Oh, wait. Hold on. I should have been ready while you were fixing yours. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'm ready now. All right. So it's the uh, warehouse distillery,
1: <laughs> Wine the Bridge notebook. So Lance, I sent you a couple pictures of our notebook questions. You're gonna pick one. You pick it. You ask it. Then we'll answer from there. So if you got a little, you got a little bit of time there. I'm not gonna do our uh, unless you already have one
2: picked. I oh I got it. Okay, yeah, well, I had, I had it right away. It was the first favorite. Okay, uh, nice.
0: I looked at the other ones. I
2: was like,
0: Nah, no, I'm good. I got this. Uh, if you open a brewery, what would you name it? Ooh, that's a good one. That is. Let's see. Damn. Uh, I'm not sure. That's tough, man.
3: Yeah. Jacob, I, mean, I know that, you gotta,
0: you gotta yeah. have one. Jacob, as much as you brewery have, I know you got <laughs> one. <laughs> right. And that's why I yeah. jumped out to me. Well, see,
2: right,
0: right, right now I'm having like, right now I'm just having a
1: little bit of a freak out because I've got the spinny wheel of death over here on the left side of this <laughs> board, <laughs> and I just want to make sure like if that messes up, we we don't just we just didn't just flush forty five minutes down the record button there. So I'm hoping that stops. Then I've got my phone recording, and then I've got now I just hit the, the for the record of uh for the video here just to have, we have something you know we may have to go back in a week from now and redo this one or whatever. But <laughs> so my brain's my brain's like not thinking about any of the questions right now. I mean, I'm thinking about it, but I'm trying to like hope that you know. But I mean, I know Lance has been there too. We're just like, well, like you said, you're just kind of stuck at the mercy of the technology, and that's kind of where we are. But. If I had to name a brewery, I, I, I'd want to say I'd do something with my last name, but that's more bar-esque, you know, if you're doing, like, a last name. So, you know, it, it seems like a lot of breweries are doing, like, wherever they land, they want to find something. Like, you know, if they're near a certain creek, they'll call it, like, a sugar creek, or if they're near something else. Uh I'm really, I'm really just out of block right now because so much
0: is going on, I'm trying to figure it out. So, now that you mentioned that, you've got to got me getting ideas because like my neighborhood has a is very very holiday esque. So a lot of the streets are around Christmas. Um, so I don't know, I would, I don't know what I would call it. Um. I would probably call it like, I could, I could probably call it like Duvall's, um, <laughs> you know, but like, I, I think I would, I, I, I know that like around the holidays, it would be very, very, I'd have a lot of festive beers um, around the holidays, around the fall, around Christmas and all those types of things, just because the first house I ever bought was off of a street that referenced Christmas. So I think that's what I would do. Okay. Yeah. I was starting to think I, I would want something kind of unique and different because you want it to stand out, especially being in Charlotte. I feel like there's
1: a new brewery opening almost every six months. I mean, we had three or four open during the pandemic. So it's yeah. you a couple of clothes and all that. So I was thinking something along the lines of like something unicorn or something just to get it. And Charlotte, there's a lot of people who, who actually live here or grew up here, born here, who are called unicorns. So maybe like a unicorn brewing, but then I thought if you you could also go with, you know, what about like a, you know, a fourth and forever brewing to tie in the football or something along those lines. So I think I would start with with a with a working list to put up on a whiteboard and then work from there. But I'll still with something like unicorn brewing or maybe like a a fourth and forever brewing or something like that or fifth down. I don't know, you know, because that once the game's over, you know, something something funny like that.
3: So that would
2: be, be good, actually. Yeah. Be a yeah. I like. Uh I was I was sort of on the lines of like what Duval was saying. Um like like the hometown kind of like feel or you like the first neighborhood that you like grew up or see I, w- I was thinking something like for like California because I'm from there so I have to be have to like tie something into like California within the name, or uh, like one of my one of the middle school I went to, or I was on I was I was, I was on like kind of like wavelength of bringing in like the hometown feel as well. Okay. I would go with second rodeo. Okay. Second rodeo because like one of my favorite sayings is "It's not my
3: first rodeo." <laughs> 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 That's good. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's good too <laughs>
0: yeah that is a good one alright Duvall you, you already said yours you go did you say you just call yeah, I, I yeah but you know you, you kind of got me thinking man because like you know being a huge basketball fan like you could call it like, like I could call it like 84 feet <laughs> you know or <laughs> like the hardwood yeah. or something like yeah, that yeah. you know or something like that you know or Hardwood mm-hmm. Classic Brewery, or you know, and then like I said, you can also still reference um, Charlotte, so you can call it QC Brewery. I don't think there's a QC Brewery, but there might be, you know, something, yeah, or something yeah. like that. There I, will I, be I, very soon. Yeah, probably, so <laughs> yeah, um, something cool with that name. <laughs> Duval's definitely sounds like a like a like a brewery, or I might just use my initials or something like that. Yeah, Duval, Duval's also sounds like fancy as fuck, like. Right? <laughs> I,
3: mean, I, would, I, would, I, would, I would expect
2: to take i would expect to like take like a date there. like yo you want to go to duval's no. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. she shows up in a dress and like jeans and a flannel on she's like uh
0: like it's a brewery did you not know that it was a brewery <laughs> but if you want to go if you want to extend if it is duval's i would be sure to make sure that it even though it's a brewery they have food there they have several games there. They have live music, so it it, it 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 would be a little bit, you know, I I would say, you know, a little. I, I would try and make sure it was slightly bougie. Yeah. <laughs> slightly bougie about requiring you to be
2: bougie.
3: Yeah. <laughs> you can
2: you can still get trashed off of craft beer. And, <laughs> exactly. And no one's gonna judge you. There you I go. Yeah. Well. We've hit it. I appreciate
1: uh, over two hours of sitting here chopping it, <laughs> chopping it up with you. We did, we did almost an hour. Then we realized forty-five minutes was gone. I've got to do some patchwork here to put it together. But uh, I appreciate it. And like I said, I'm definitely going to have to have you back, just because you'll have more stories to share share from other movies, other sets, other TV shows, all that kind of good stuff. If you're ever in Charlotte, you know, hit us up. We got, I got plenty of basement space, space and. Uh, Guest rooms to crash in and all that kind of good stuff. And if I ever get down, I got a couple friends in Atlanta, so if I down there, I know it's a big city, but I'll have to get, hit you a little no, ring, um, so.
2: Hit, give, give me a call anytime. You always got got a place to stay. Nice. You got a family now, but I have a tiny two-bedroom apartment. You got no space. <laughs> uh, if, it, if it's just you by yourself, yep. you're crashing the couch. That's nice. you know, I, can't, I, can't, I can't even I can't even fit an uh, air mattress here. Yeah. <laughs> and like and like even though I don't like the Panthers not like the Cowboys, I'll go to a game just because I like sports so there you let's, go. Know, let's, let's do something let's All do right. something against you, buddy absolutely
1: and, um, well yeah I appreciate you any final thoughts final words uh, no but uh, uh, yeah actually uh, anybody listening to this if you have any interest in getting in the film industry and you have an ability to come to
2: Atlanta please add me on Instagram add me on Twitter send me a message it's at Lance Anger uh, feel free to reach out say hey reference to this podcast and that you heard from me here uh, and let me know, I'm, we're, this industry is only good if we continue to grow and we continue to teach because it's constantly evolving and it's constantly moving, especially going into this new digital world that uh, we have to keep up with it. And we're always looking for fresh faces and new people to train and teach and show what to do and how to do
3: it. And uh, I'm always no pity here for anybody that wants to have the experience. Nice. All right. Well, on that, I'll say, uh, Jeeves, man, how do we send the podcast out? Peace.